Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You eat a chicken sandwich? This is the press box. The best is their chicken minis, which are these little small rolls that they have butter all over them and like a chicken nugget inside of it. They're delicious. I got to get out more, man. I have a slice of wheat toast. With Grainy and Bischoff. I got to get out more. On ESPN Las Vegas. Been going with the frozen waffles instead. The wife's out of town. I'm living large. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Boy, we have some stuff to talk about this morning. Here we go. The first bite. Living large with waffles. <laughs> <laughs> Living large, baby. Wait, 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 Jared, Jared, before you ask the question. Maple syrup? Me? Yes, yes. you. Uh, yeah, organic, though. Organic. Okay, oh, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. Just... yeah. As long as you're not an insane person who doesn't no, put no, syrup on exactly. their waffles. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Should we have all seen the Alex Leatherwood pick coming? Uh, I would assume because we all said yesterday and for the weeks he was going to do something. At this, so, side story here. You'll love this, Tyler. So, at, at a paper, you have to, and you know this, you've been in journalism. As a paper, you need to get ready right when they make the pick to flash it, right? It has to go on the web, like, right away, especially for the hometown team. So you prepare yourself, obviously, by doing, you know, you take a bunch of players and you kind of write it before and then you hit the button when it goes. Everyone paper does that. So Vinny at our paper the day before, we said, hey, let's do it. Here's like eight or nine names. Just get them ready. And Adam looked at me and goes, there's no chance it's one of those eight or nine names. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. So last night I was like, who? Like that guy wasn't one of our eight or nine names. So we should probably have known right away as Adam Hill the day before goes, eh, we have no chance of knowing who this is. <laughs> oh, the, and the Raiders have probably done that every single year, yes, you guys, yeah, too. Exactly. Every single one. <laughs> oh, so, man. Alex Leatherwood was, depending on where you look, like the eighth, ninth, tenth best tackle prospect in this class. And he went to Alabama. So, I, yeah. in hindsight, yes, we yeah. should have seen this coming. Like, it was either him, there, there was a tackle who went to Clemson, I think, too, that was like somewhere in that same eight, nine, ten range. We should have seen it coming that it was going to be one of those two. Because I can't believe last night, Mike Mayock in his press conference after the draft, he cited the 2008 Alabama or 2018 Alabama Clemson game again. He only drafts players from the 2018 Alabama Clemson game. It's insane. But here's what's incredible. The Raiders continue to make the same mistake every single draft. And it's it's unbelievable that they keep doing it because they do not understand value and they don't maximize value of their picks they have no idea where the players they take are actually ranked through the rest of the nfl because if you look this year alex leatherwood the athletics big board had him as the 45th best player pro football focus had him as the 40th best player and they took him at 17 and this is what they do Every single season since John Gruden has taken over. You look at last year, Damon Arnett, they took it 19. He was the 88th best prospect 
Jonathan Abram, a couple years ago, they took a 27. He was the 112th best prospect. Cleveland Furl at four was the 35th best prospect. Even Colton Miller at 15 was outside the top 30 best prospects. Every single draft since John Gruden has taken over, they have used a first-round pick on a player that was not projected to go in the first round. And, like, you can say whatever the media or pro football focus or the athletic, whatever, that their player evaluations aren't the end-all, be-all, and those aren't NFL teams. But when it happens every year, and when we're talking about the 45th best player at 17, this isn't – they didn't take the the 25th best player at 17. They didn't take the eighth best player at four. They took the 45th best player at 17. Like every year, they're not even close. They're not even close with these evaluations. They're taking second and third round picks in the first round. Yeah. It's unbelievable that they keep doing the same thing every season. Yeah, so you're right. And when you talk about it, look, it doesn't mean that the guy they picked is not who they want. What it means is, like you said, they can get them later. Like, it's fine if you like Leatherwood and he's your kind of guy that you want on your tackle. But if you know, okay, this is where he's ranked, we can trade down and get more picks and stockpile picks. Now you're not going to do that every year because eventually you're going to pick someone in the first round. Like, I have no problem with that. Like, if they traded back, we talked about this yesterday, if they traded back into the late second or whatever and Alex Leatherwood, the odds are he'd still be there. Okay, that's fine. He's your guy. He, you know, is consensus first team all-american he won the outland i mean he played for bama so there's a lot of stuff about him like all right they everyone says best run stopper in the league i mean or in the college football i get all that but then trade back like i like get something if you don't if you don't if you're not sure on someone at that spot get a lot more so you can help build that defense get more and more picks to stockpile to get more defensive players instead of just taking a a, you know not a flyer because again i mentioned all the stuff he has going for him but at that spot you overvalue him, and you could have still gotten him. That you could have still gotten Damon Arnett had you gone into the twenties. You could have still gotten a lot of guys. Probably, maybe even Josh Jacobs in the twenties. So that's my issue. I mean, it's just that, like you said, they're taking these guys in the first round when you could probably still get them, and you could have three or four more picks to right. help you on the side of the ball where you stink. That right. I mean, it's okay if Alex Leatherwood was your first um, lineman on the board. That's fine. That's your evaluation. It's just where you're taking them that is just so bizarre on each year. Yeah, you have to understand where other teams have him. Because here's the thing. If Alex Leatherwood is is number one on your board, and he's – like what you're basically saying is that you, you think you found someone that nobody else found, right? You think you found somebody that's better than what everybody else thinks. And if you've done that, you the way to maximize value is to take that player as late as possible. And the Raiders never do that. They take that player as early as possible. And here's the thing. Even if you don't trade back, if you you take them at 48 in the second round, and guess what? You get a first-round defensive player, whoever it is. I told you linebacker would have been terrible. Well, linebacker plus Alex Otherwood would have been better than Alex Otherwood plus whatever happens in the second round today. Like, they they could have done so much better. And here's here's the amazing part. Mike Mayock, here's the sound from it. He admitted they had a trade offer. They had had a chance to trade back yesterday. Yeah, there were a lot of conversations about it. Um, I thought a couple things might happen that did not happen that I was totally open for. Uh, when we got Just when we were getting on the clock, a team did call us and inquired about moving up, but they gave us a very poor trade offer, and it was a team that needed a tackle. So uh, the combination of the poor offer and their need kind of pushed us away from that. 
So here's what's fascinating oh, about that. Yeah. First off, they know that this team needs a tackle, but they don't know that nobody else wants Alex Leatherwood. That's kind of funny. But here's what's fascinating about that. The Raiders took Alex Leatherwood, who could have been a later first-round pick, could have been a second-round pick probably. They take Alex Leatherwood, but they rejected this trade offer. So even if it's a poor offer, if you think that Alex Leatherwood is going to be there, a poor offer is better than no offer. Because the only other team that took a tackle after the Raiders in the first round was the Minnesota Vikings. They took Christian Derrissaw at 23. So to use them as an example, if they called the Raiders and said, hey, we want to come up to 17, we'll give you 23 and a fifth round pick, right? That's a poor offer. But if you know that nobody else wants Alex Leatherwood, then you can trade down to 23. And guess what? You get Alex Leatherwood and a fifth round pick. Even if it's a poor offer, it's still an offer. It's still added value to your pick. Would you rather have Alex Leatherwood or Alex Leatherwood and a fifth-round pick? Obviously, you want Alex Leatherwood and a fifth-round pick, and that's what the Raiders could have had yesterday, but they said no because they were afraid someone was going to draft Alex Leatherwood before them, which is absurd. Like, it's absurd that they keep thinking that. Nick, this is uh, Mike Saban. You calling again? <laughs> Every year he gets every Saban's probably just waiting around for the call. Like, is Mike called yet? I got to get on vacation. I got to get to the lake house. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Look, we don't know. And he, the other thing, I, we might have sound on it where he said he understood it was going to be controversial. And at some point, he said, listening to the reaction on TV, like to me, that's pretty open. Because here's the thing about that: I don't think, again, agree or disagree with the pick. Agree or disagree that it appears Gruden and Mayock on the outside looking in. I think it's fair to say they think they're smarter than everyone else. They think they know more than everyone else. That's just kind of what these picks say. Like, why are you listening to anyone on television? Like, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? It's like, why why would you listen to Mel Kuyper? That guy's not, he's he's not he hasn't have the kind of experience or being in the room or whatever you want to call it. I thought that was very strange and showed a sign of them that. I didn't know that was really there. Like, well, well, we think it's controversy because we heard what they said on television. Look, if you're if you're sure in your pick, that's fine. Whatever he's number, we said if he's number one on your board, you could have gotten him later. He's your guy. Okay, whatever. But when you say something like that, it's like, now are you sure? Because that's really weird that you would mention what they said on television, given no one on television, I believe, was of NFL personnel or an NFL coach or people who would have broken down film as closely as you did. I thought that was stra- I thought that was really strange when he said that. I-, I thought, okay, when you come out right away, I mean, it was like one of the first things he said. We think it's- we know it's a controversial pick. Really? Then maybe this should be rethought, right? I mean, I yeah. I would never say that. I'd say, hey, he's our guy. This is our guy, and we think he's the best one. It's funny that every year the Raiders have to, in their immediate press conference after the draft, like explain def- the pick. Yeah, they have to defend yeah. the pick rather than uh, you know praise the pick. Very like they're always defending the pick because everyone sitting on the press conference in the media and Mike Mayock himself knows that probably wasn't smart. That probably wasn't where he should have gone. It's unbelievable that that keeps happening. And by the way, I want to make one other point because I've seen this on Twitter. Jason Fitz tweeted it. JT the Brick tweeted it. And about a million Raiders fans tweeted it last night that everyone said Colton Miller was a reach and Colton Miller turned out great. First off, it doesn't matter if Colton Miller turned out great or not because this is about value and you could have gotten Colton Miller later in that draft than you did. But more importantly, why do people keep saying Colton Miller's been great? He's been in the NFL for three seasons. He was awful in his first season. He was below average in his second season and he was average last year. 
He's gotten better, absolutely, but he, he's not like an all-pro left tackle. He hasn't made a Pro Bowl. The Raiders as a team have had zero team success with Amer. And guess what? The five picks directly following Colton Miller in that draft have all made the Pro Bowl. Like, if that's the bar for good pick, the bar is way too low because well, Colton Miller has not been a good pick. He just hasn't been a bust. I hope Colton Miller has improved because his rookie year, and I'll say this for him, tough guy, played through played through in the injury, I get that, but he gave up a league-high 16 sacks. So right. right there you're starting off with a horrible year. And again, he had a knee, knee injury. We have to make that. We have to include that in the conversation he played through. But the next year, I think he gave up seven or eight. This last year, two, but – it hasn't been, and you and I said this right when it happened. We were surprised on the extension because one, you didn't have to do it right now. I mean, it, 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 even Colton Miller, talk about like opening comments. <laughs> First opening comment, yeah, I was surprised they did it. It's like these comments after these major moves really make you rethink some things here with this team. Yeah, I was surprised they did it. And Colton Miller might end up being great. I don't know why they extended him, but like you said, he's not been an all pro left tackle, and maybe he will be this year. That's why I thought the extension was absolutely silly to do that because let's wait to see if the guy's actually that good when he's still on a rookie deal. Um, but yeah, it's just it's 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 perplexing that it, that they again I don't know do they think they're smarter than everyone? Do they are their boards just different? Well, obviously their boards are different. Um, <laughs> Very different. And, and I mean, I look like I said, there's a lot. Leatherwood has a resume where you look at it blind resume. I'll say. Consensus first team All American unanimously. Outland Trophy winner, best interior lineman. Played for Alabama, gave up like two sacks and 800 snaps. There's a lot of good if you just looked at the resume. But again, you could have gotten him later. You could have gotten him later. So he can go prove it. He can go prove all of us wrong and be great. Um, I'm saying right now, and I'm going on record, and I want Jared to say this because this is on record. I know he'll be better than um, Philip Seymour Hoffman or Neil Patrick Harris, whoever that guy is. They got off the uh, off the street last week. What was his name? <laughs> Jennifer sure. Love Hewitt. Sure. I don't know who that John was. Smith. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, exactly. Paul, oh. Paul, Mike, Paul Michael Glazer. He'll be better than that guy. Um, and let's see if he can be good enough to where we're all saying a year from now, man, we were really wrong about that, and he was worth that pit. Okay. I should have. I should have asked Mike Mayock in the press conference last night. Does this mean Jared Jones Smith isn't going to start now? Yes. <laughs> no, what it means is that by like week th- two of training camp, I don't know, Jared Jones Smith is quickly becoming the front runner to start a tackle. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we are going to jump into Aaron Rodgers. Bring him to Vegas. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. No, no, Ryan, I appreciate the question, but no, we're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. So, have the Rangers not uh, drafted the... 45th best player at 17. We, we might have started the show today with Aaron Rodgers because uh, I don't know what happened. Okay, and the journalism side of this, before we actually get an Aaron Rodgers, what happened yesterday where every media member, national NFL media member, was like, yep, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. He hates the front office. He's demanded a trade. He thought he was be Like, every single media member was like, I got something on this. What yeah. the hell happened yesterday? It was just based off one report in the afternoon, um, whether it was Schefter or, or um, Rappaport. I, I don't know which one. It was based on one report saying that sources told the person he was disgruntled and wanted out, and there were three teams he wanted to go to. And that was about 
because I was in my car. That was about like one in the afternoon when this report broke and everyone just went crazy on it. And, and look, I mean, when the Raiders are mentioned in a story like that, we have to follow it up only because the Raiders are in this town and you have to start making calls. And I, yeah. the one thing I thought was interesting and look, like I wrote this morning, when this, it's never, an MVP has never been traded the year after. So to even think this might happen, obviously you have to go in with the idea that like, the odds are it's not happening, but there's a report out there. So you have to make a call and say, is there anything to this? I thought it was interesting in Vinny's story. I, I do, I do trust his sourcing on this. That the source said we're weighing all options. Now, again, that could mean, We've made a. We're about to make a call, and they're hanging up on us. That could mean they haven't made the call, but they're deciding what will we give up for this guy. I don't know what that means. As I wrote, I don't know what weighing all the options means, but it wasn't a flat denial. So, in that sense, you know, and and here's the thing: it shouldn't be a flat denial. And I know we're going to talk about this. If you think there's a one percent chance he's available, and you're one of the three teams listed in this report, I you have to call. Yes. You yes. have to call and say, is this true? And if it is true, let's start discussing what this means. Is there any chance here? And if there is, all right, we'll start talking about what it is. So, you know, I mean, it's funny because John Lynch of the Niners admitted they called. We made a call. It was over quickly. It wasn't going to happen. Okay, but he admitted a call. Mike Mayock last night wouldn't admit that. But if they didn't, they didn't do their due diligence. Because if you think there's any chance he's available, if you're the Raiders, you have to pick up the phone. You have right. to. And I know you wrote yesterday about the, the Broncos being one of the teams mentioned, and Mark Schlereth was on the radio saying a deal was close between the Broncos yes, it was close to being and done. Packers. Which, and, then every, and immediately Adam Schefter was like, no, no deal's close. But I, I know you wrote that the idea of if, if the Broncos traded for Aaron Rodgers, the Raiders are done. Like the, the Raiders are make absolutely the playoffs done. for how many years? I mean, however long right. Rodgers yeah. is there. I mean, yeah. pr- they might not make it for as long as Mahomes is there, but you're telling me for the next at least, like, what, three years probably? Yeah, Mahomes, he's 37, so three years. Ma- yeah. Mahomes, Rodgers, and Herbert are in your division, yeah. and you yeah. have one of the worst defenses in football? You're not winning six games most no. years. So, no. like, at, you have to. Like, even if, for whatever reason, you don't think Aaron Rodgers, like, makes you a Super Bowl contender – he makes the Broncos one, and you don't want that in your division. So, no. like, just just simply to block the Broncos, let alone the benefit to your team, simply to block the Broncos so you're not the fourth-place team for the next three years, you've got to call and ask. And honestly, give them whatever they would want. Now, it doesn't – here's the thing. I don't think he's getting traded. Like I don't either. Like, again, uh, it came from everywhere yesterday, which made me think, uh, maybe this is actually going to happen. But it just – I, I cannot imagine the Packers trading away Aaron Rodgers, even if Rodgers wants out. Because the other part of this is Rodgers, if it's the 49ers, if it's the Broncos, and if it's the Raiders. I, I know maybe winning's not the only thing Aaron Rodgers cares about, but none of those three teams gives him a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Green Bay Packers. Like, not one of those teams would he have a better shot at winning than he would in Green Bay. That's the best roster he can probably play for this next season. So, even if Rodgers hates everyone's guts in the front office, I think he still just puts up with it because that's the best chance he has to win another Super Bowl. Yeah, and I don't put much stock in that the in within those reports, and maybe they're just guessing and no one really knows anything. When in those reports, it's okay. He wants back West. He has 
aspirations. We know about the Jeopardy thing, and he has aspirations to market himself that way. You know what? You can do that as 40 if you're Aaron Rodgers. He's 37. I mean, you, you can come back west and be a TV guy, whatever you want to be in time. I'm sure there'll be a ton of opportunities for a guy like that. You retire when you're 40, 41, whenever he wants to retire. So, yeah, I, if you want to win another Super Bowl and you're looking at these rosters, I mean, I got to be honest, the, the Raiders are the last one just because of their defense. Like, if you're if you're putting them up on a board, and those are the three teams, the Raiders are, to me, perhaps a significant third, only because they can't stop anyone at this point. So if he came to the Raiders, it might really be that he wants to come back west and he's tired of whatever it's management or whatever. Now, another, another um, report this morning, this might make more sense, is that he's not happy with their discussion so far on an extension. And that could go right to, at some point, look, at some point, they have to play Jordan Love. They have to. You can't pick a guy in the first round and sit him for four, three, four years. Now, I know Rodgers sat on Favre, but this is 2021. You pick a guy yeah. in the first round. So it very well could be, we're going to extend you for a year, and he's saying, no, you're extending me four years, and there's they're butting heads there, and he's not very happy. That makes a little more sense than, hey, I want to be a TV guy. He can always be that after he retires. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot to this. I'm completely with you. I don't think he gets traded only because – of all the hoops that would have to be jumped through to trade someone at this level. I mean, this is this who knows what the price would be on him. And yet, if you're the Raiders, you better keep your ear to the ground and see if the Broncos are in on this. Because you if he goes there, I agree it's over for the Raiders in the foreseeable future. There you you can say quarterback is, you know, whatever percentage it is. If you're dealing with Mahomes, a rising star in Herbert and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, good luck. Yeah, good you luck might as that. well you might as well tear down and just start a rebuild. Like yeah, you might as well trade no off any any player who has immediate value and try to be good in five years because your division is quarterback stacked. Like Justin Herbert's now the third best quarterback in the division, and he's not even close to number one or number two if that were to happen. So I, by the way, I do love the idea of somehow Aaron Rodgers using Jeopardy as leverage yes. in this. Like I'll just retire and go do Jeopardy. It's like, no, you're not. What are you talking about? Like, no, you're not. You're not going to retire and go do Jeopardy. You no, kidding me? You're not giving up 30 or 40 million a year, whatever he no. makes, to go. Because, again, I, look, I don't know who's going to be the Jeopardy host. I have no idea. But LeVar he Burton. is famous enough and, you know, well known enough to where he can probably kind of make his call after after his career. So he makes what? He's got to make 30. I don't know what he, I mean, 30, 40 million a year. You're not giving up that for the next two or three years to be the Jeopardy host. You know, nope. just, that, that's not happening. I mean, so <laughs> I, you my- have to make Like I said, I, I mean, here's the thing. You just said you give up everything. I'm kind of with you. You give up, obviously, car goes. You'd have to give up maybe multiple ones. You, It's Aaron Rodgers. And, and that's what I wrote this morning. Derek Carr isn't even part of this narrative. He doesn't even – he's not even part of this. He's a really good quarterback. He's top 10 or 12 quarterbacks. But he doesn't even come into the conversation for me. Because no. it's Aaron Rodgers. You know he's leaving. So people say, oh, you know, once again, you know, they don't believe in Derek Carr. Yeah, they might love Derek Carr. They might believe in Derek Carr. But he has nothing to do with this if they can get Aaron Rodgers. Right, exactly. It's it's not about how good Derek Carr is. It's that, oh, no, you could get the second best quarterback in football right now. All right, yeah. coming up next, we talk to Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Yeah, we did a lot of homework on this pick. Uh, knew it would be controversial. Completely understand that. 
but I think what we're most excited about is we kind of feel like this uh, offensive line of ours uh, could develop into one one of the younger, more exciting offensive lines in the league. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Austin Gale. All right, Austin, if you had to try to take a guess, why does this happen every year? Why do the Raiders take somebody that aren't projected in the first round every single season? I mean, to be completely honest, and and this isn't a joke, I I do think it's because the Las Vegas Raiders do not factor into their decision-making what other people are talking about or feel about this draft. They do not look at mock drafts. They don't look at big boards. They don't look at consensus boards. They get their guy. They get Tom Cable's guy. They get the people they want regardless of how the other NFL teams see these players. I mean, okay, so we were and, – and we talked about this, you know, earlier in the show, and he might end up being great. I mean, he has a good resume in terms of what he did collegiately. But – and Tyler brought this up, whether it's Cleveland Furrow, whether it's all the guys they've picked – that's fine if it's your guy, but they never seem to understand. Also, you can trade back and get your guy and stockpile picks for a horrible defense. That's kind of what's the confusing thing about this is it's fine if it's your guy. That's what you get paid for. Name your guy, and he might end up being great. But they just seem to jump on people when they, they could trade back and get these. That, that's the, like the perplexing part of all this, of how they draft. So, my counter argument to that is that you're not always in a position to trade back. So, you know, there are, you know, there's times where your phone isn't on the hook. You know, people aren't looking to move up. But the, the other thing there is that if you are factoring in all the data available to you as a GM, as a front office, you can see that Alex Leatherwood, compared to the consensus, is lower ranked compared to where you have him right now, Tom Cable's favorite offensive lineman in the draft. You can see that. That data is available to you along with everyone else. Why not just take the next player on your board? You know, if Alex Leatherwood is your favorite player at pick 17, who's 18 on your, who's next on your board and see where they rank? Because you could play the game better in that regard and get a guy that other teams are high on that you're also high on, maybe not high, as high you are on Alex Leatherwood, but you're also high on, and then potentially snag Alex Leatherwood, a guy you really like, later in the draft based off the day you've seen. Worst case scenario, you don't get Alex Leatherwood, and then you have to take another player. Draft as if Alex Leatherwood was take taken the pick before you who would you take next is that person ranked higher among consensus it's a it's, it's a product of being overconfident in your evaluation you know i i referenced you know blackjack in a tweet today if you hit on 18 and it becomes you know and they send you a three and you get 21 that's not good process that's good results that's what kind of happened with Colt miller you know Colt miller though wasn't necessarily betting on an 18 or, or hitting on an 18 or 19 it was a very athletic profile didn't grade super well out of the gate but an athletic profile good size those types of things they were overconfident in their evaluation, bet on their guy, and developed him, and he's been you know, a top 20, top 15 tackle in the league. This is another example of being overconfident in your evaluation, saying, hey, this is our guy, this is Tom Cable's guy, we're going to develop him, and we're going to prove you wrong. The problem is you don't have to do that. Like, play the game better. You know, Play the game better. The draft is a game. If the NFL is lower on a guy that you're high on, Draft the next guy on your board, say it was you know, a Jalen Phillips or whoever it may be, and then see if you can get Alex Leatherwood on the turn. That's good drafting. That's good process. Take those risks in the draft. Don't be overconfident. Don't take the other risks. So what do, you, what do you know about Alex Leatherwood? How good do you think he'll be right away? Yeah, Alex Leatherwood, you know, I, I talked to him, and a big thing that he mentioned when you know, he's talked to NFL teams is that people love his positional versatility. I mean, he's had a ton of success at the collegiate level in the SEC at guard, right tackle, and left tackle. The amount of future top 50 picks he's had on his tape that he's gone against one-on-one is 
better than any other player in this class. And again, I, I bet if you look at his scouting report in the Raiders book, they love that. They love blue blood program players, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. We want guys that have seen the best competition in college football and have played at a high level. And he did. Like Alex Leatherwood in 2019 was awesome. And even in 2020, played really well. Are there reps where you'd like to see him get corrected? Absolutely. That's what Tom Cable's for, though. And that's what he's done with Cole Miller. Did he do that with Brandon Parker? No. They traded up to the first pick of the third round for him. But still, you don't hit on every guy you bet on. They're obviously betting on Alex Leatherwood to be a lot better in the NFL. I think the bigger concern for me is not so much as Alabama team. Because I think it was up and down, but still good. It was when he went to the Senior Bowl, and you just didn't see it there. Like, he was not the best offensive tackle at the Senior Bowl. Dylan Reedens of North Dakota State was a better offensive tackle. Quinn Miners was um, interior offensive lineman, better better offensive lineman there. So it's, it's interesting to see at the Senior Bowl, you didn't see it with Alex Featherwood, but he's got the physical tools. He's got the length. I like his feet. There's a lot that, I, again, I sound like Tom Cable. That's what Tom Cable likes, length, feet, all that stuff. So I do think that he's going to try and build him up. Are you going to have a crisis when you realize you said you sound like Tom Cable? Maybe. I think that's true. <laughs> and I think I want to couch the, you know, couch the analysis with this. Were they overconfident in their evaluation? Yes. But at least they invested in a valuable position. You know, at least you invest in offensive tackle. Because if you hit here, and Alex Leatherwood, he doesn't have to be elite. Like if Alex Leatherwood becomes a top 20 tackle in the league over the course of his rookie contract, that's a hit. And it's a big one. Because offensive tackles cost money. You know, they're, you know, the Atlanta Falcons don't have to tell you that, paying Jake Matthews $13 million a year, Trent Williams making a ton of money, David Bakhtiari. Like, these guys are the second, you know, third highest paid position after quarterback and pass rusher. So going after valuable positions in the first round, like Alex Leatherwood, I think is a strong move if he does pan out. But even and he doesn't have to be elite. Like, he doesn't have to be top five at his position in, you know, four or five years' time. He just needs to be good. Let me ask you, and a lot of guys, again, said it right after the pick, and you're obviously saying tackle, tackle. I think um, uh, Mayock last night said he's our starting right tackle. Could he ever, if it doesn't pan out there, can he move inside? A lot of people saw they, they on the TV saw him as a guard, that he had played some guard earlier in his career. Is he absolutely the right tackle for the next several years, or if he doesn't pan out there, could, is it more apt that he'd move inside? Well, I don't think he's absolutely anything. I mean, he, I think he could you know, potentially kick inside. I think they'll store him at right tackle because it's the more valuable position, because it's the glaring need. But, I mean, Dane Brugler of the Athletic hit it on the head and that he could play guard, and he has him projected as a guard at the next level. There are things on his tape where it's like, man, put this guy in a phone booth and he might be damn good. And you know, teams are going to like that versatility as well. Like, hey, Alex Leatherwood doesn't pan out. We're going to kick you inside and do what you do there. They couldn't do that with Brandon Parker, obviously. He'll likely be off the roster before the preseason or soon after. So I do think that with Alex Leatherwood, first-round pick, you're going to start him at right tackle, develop him, even if year one is atrocious. Because remember, Colton Miller's year one, where he battled injuries, was not good. They're going to start him at right tackle, and even if it isn't good, they're probably going to start him there again in year two, working Tom Gable to develop this talent. All right, Austin, which of these three quarterbacks starts the most games? Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, or Andy Dalton? Oh, man, that is tough. I think, I think Cam Newton, potentially, because I think Bill Belichick came out and said that Cam Newton is our starter. I mean, and the, the interesting thing about the Mac Jones selection is that you know, he's, he, he doesn't really fit what the offense is trying to do right now. So I can see them trying to shoot the moon a bit with Cam Newton, see how that starts, and then potentially play Mac Jones if it doesn't pan out down the stretch. Uh, what did you think last night, Austin? First round, everyone wanted to know what with three. Trey Lance went at three. Um, what else stood out about you? And, and, and really, are there some names in the second day that you're surprised are there? Yeah, I mean, big standout, obviously, Trey Lance was taking money as we entered the draft. I think he was, what, plus 
200 the morning of the draft to go to the number three number three overall at San Francisco 49ers. And right, you know, 10 minutes before the draft starts, he was minus 200. So obviously the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan said it too. We traded up for Trey Lance. And he, it, the smoke screen was real. They had everyone thinking about Mac Jones, which again, I come back to this. Like, I don't really understand why. Like, I don't know what, outside of fun, like, I'm sure it was great to see them, you know, see the media just freaking out over Mac Jones for like the past two weeks. But like, they didn't have a lot to gain off of, you know, trading up, you know, or smoke screening people then thinking they're not into Trey Lance because no one was going to trade ahead of them and no one was going to pick Lance ahead of them. So I found that interesting. I, Trey Lance, for me, like, there's an argument between Mac Jones and Trey Lance on who the fourth best quarterback in this class is. But still, I'm flabbergasted at Justin Fields. And I think you're seeing the reports now and some of the rumors. I don't want to speak to them a ton, like the details. But, like, what I've heard is that the interviews weren't great. I'm not going to speak to any more severity than that. The interviews weren't great compared to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. And I do think that Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers, among other teams, value that. Like, they value that in-person interviews. I don't know that. I've never talked to the kid from all of I've heard uh, on the football field, all that I've seen on the football field. It doesn't affect him there. One of the highest grade pass in the NFL or in college football. So I'm still surprised they passed on Justin Fields. And I think the steal of the draft, the absolute steal of the draft, was Justin Fields at 11, even with the Chicago Bears trading a future first-round pick to go up. So think about this. Justin Fields, you know, Chicago Bears trade up from 20 to 11 and give up one future first-round pick and some change. Nine spots to go get Justin Fields. San Francisco 49ers trade two future first-round picks and a future third to go up and grab Trey Lance, who arguably isn't even a better quarterback prospect than Justin Fields. That was a slam dunk and a half dunk contest season for the Chicago Bears. And Dave Gettleman, first time he's ever traded back, talks about he doesn't want to get fleeced, but he just went back nine (laughs) spots in the draft and gave the Chicago Bears a new quarterback for just one first-round pick and some change. That was an interesting one for me. I think the other pick I really, really liked was the Minnesota Vikings willing to trade back out of that spot to let the, you know, I think was the Jets to come back up and they still get, you know, Christian Derrissaw, Virginia Tech, a PFS off of the tackle three. That was, that was good business, my friend. I think Minnesota Vikings, those two picks, Justin Fields, Christian Derrissaw, those two picks were my favorite of the first round. Uh, where do you think Aaron Rodgers takes his first snap next season? I think uh, host of Jeopardy, honestly. I really do not <laughs> think that the green, you know, I really don't think that Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded. You, you look at, if he gets traded before June 1st, the Green Bay Packers will have less cap space than they have now. They'll pay him $38 million to play for another team. And even if he gets traded after June 1st, he's going to have to, you know, Green Bay's going to have to pay him, I think, what, $15-plus million to play for another team. And that doesn't even include what this team's going to have to give up for Aaron Rodgers. Remember when we were talking about, you know, before all the allegations, these mythical trades for Deshaun Watson, three first-rounders, your, your first-born child, all these different things. Aaron Rodgers is going to be that same <laughs> trade package, like, what team is going to be capable of trading all that's necessary for a guy that would instantly put you in the Super Bowl conversation? I, I ultimately think he doesn't get traded. It's either Green Bay turns that media disaster before the draft into a ton of more money onto um, Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley's plate, or it's not enough money and Aaron Rodgers walks away from the game. I do not think he wants to play again knowing all the money that's available to him, potentially hosting Jeopardy, all the deals that he'd have from a sponsorship perspective. I mean, it's an easy game when you're an Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot to be had. There's a lot of options here. So I do think that um, it'll be interesting. I don't think he plays for another team that isn't Green Bay next year. If he's not playing for Green Bay, I don't think he's playing for anyone. All right. I'm ready for the Jordan Love era as Aaron Rodgers hosts Jeopardy. I'm ready for it. Let's see it in Green Bay. He's Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Austin, we appreciate it this morning. Thanks, man. Of course. Thank you. Oh, leaving Green Bay to go to Jeopardy. I just I can't see it.
I can't see it. Okay, I think he. I think Alex Trebek's salary is like ten million at Jeopardy, and Rogers would get thirty something. I just, I don't know. I can't see okay. it. It's I, a good point that hasn't been made a lot in the last twenty four hours, which is June first. June first, uh, in terms of the money and making the money work, and I mean the Raiders with their cap situation, they're going to trade half the team. I mean, maybe trade half the defense and rebuild, wow. but uh, they'd have to really. I don't know, um, and I don't know if half the defense gets you Jordan Love, let alone Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't know if they'd give you their backup for half this defense. All right, we want to up- give you Yannick Nagakwe. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll find out if Jared has a good conspiracy theory or not. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. I don't know if you guys saw my tweets last year, but I said I wanted to start how I finished. Hey, you saw that Memphis game. You know, if I, once I get into AT&T, AT&T Stadium, it's up. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. All right, Jared, you teased us. Uh, just me and Ed, not the listeners. But you teased us that you have a conspiracy theory about Aaron Rodgers. What is it? Okay. So you guys were saying that maybe he's trying to leverage jeopardy in order to get out of his Packers contract or get out out of the Packers. So if you've been following the Jeopardy hosts, there suddenly was a grassroots movement to get Star Trek and Reading Rainbow superstar LeVar Burton to be the host of Jeopardy. Could it be that the Packers, he went into a meeting with the Packers and he went, well, fine, I'll just, I'll just go be the host of Jeopardy. And they looked at each other and went, Who is someone that America loves that no one can say anything bad about because almost everyone goes, hey, it's the guy from PBS and it's Jordy LaForge from Star Trek. Oh, my God. We should we should start a AstroTurf campaign to get LeVar Burton to be the number one person who should be hosting Jeopardy. Okay, I absolutely love the idea of the Packers not only having to pay attention to who's going to be the next host of Jeopardy, but trying to intervene and influence who's going to be the next host of Jeopardy so Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that option. Well, I'll say this. I know nothing about it other than I happened to pass a story on Twitter that the second week of his uh, stint in Jeopardy, the ratings went way down. Who? Um, For Rodgers or for LeVar Burton? No, for Rodgers. For Rodgers. Oh, uh-oh. So maybe uh-oh. he thinks he's the guy, and they're like, Aaron, you're a great guy, but this is about TV ratings, and yours went down. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there there are very few people, like Aaron Rodgers, people hate. There are Packers yes. fans that hate Aaron Rodgers, and they're yes. like, yeah, he's really good, but uh, he's so flighty. He's not a leader. LeVar Burton. Name somebody, say something. Like, everybody loves LeVar Burton. I don't know anything about him, so I don't know if I love him or hate him yet. But I'll just I'll just pretend I'll just pretend he, like he's wait. Mr. Rogers or Bob Ross. Or he kind of like is. That. He yeah. did Reading Rainbow. <laughs> oh, he would. I mean, if you're saying popularity with people, he's. I mean, he kills Rogers every time. Rogers is very. Uh, my actually, a, a good friend of mine just tweeted to me or texted me. Aaron Rodgers is a bleeping whining little bleep. So. Um, <laughs> That, uh, that kind of puts in perspective what the maybe mainstream folks think about Aaron Rodgers, and it's true. Um, he does, I mean, like, he's he, he's very arrogant, and a lot of people don't like that. And uh, so, 
the Jeopardy thing, I think his, I think he wanted Jeopardy maybe more than Jeopardy wanted him. He's a huge Trebek fan. He's a huge fan of the show. Smart guy. Probably could answer half the questions, if not more. Um, but I don't know if he translates to mainstream America of who they want to see every night. I'm just trying. So, hold on. Hold on, Tyler. We got to we gotta do a little digging. Why did Mark Anderson tweet text that to you? <laughs> it's not Mark Anderson. Okay. I'll, conti- I'll continue with the text. <laughs> Uh, he whined about how Brett Favre wouldn't help him when he was new to the league, and now he is whining because they drafted a QB last year. Dude is a serious egomaniac. I think that's kind of the majority, you know, vision of, of Aaron Rodgers. I do. This wait, your friend sent you a three paragraph text. <laughs> no, it's one paragraph, but it was but it is a great text. Let's see. I'll read the first part again. Seriously, Aaron Rodgers is a bleeping whiny little bleep <laughs> i mean that's a pretty good what what is it a nut graph that's a pretty good yes like, that actually uh, uh i i'm gonna i'm gonna if he's listening i want him to know that he could have stopped after the first sentence and it would have been the best text i've had in weeks uh so jared when the raiders trade for aaron Rodgers and reading that text message please cut off yes. all context <laughs> yes. so we just have ed saying aaron Rodgers is a bleeping whiny little bleep <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. Um, okay, awesome. I, want... I, might, I might actually bleep the, him instead of him saying bleep. I will yes, put in a yes. bleep so it perfect. sounds like he, that he is an A plus text. I'll tell you yes. that. Perfect. All right. I want to bring up one Golden Knights thing. Darren Millard was on the show with this yesterday, and when talking about the North Division and the fact that Canada might not have restrictions loosened on the border, he mentioned that some players he's talked to have said, well, if, you know, the Maple Leafs, for example, don't get to play actual home games, that they should just play the entire series at the home venue of whatever team they're playing. And so, for example, it'd be Maple Leafs, Golden Knights, all seven games in T-Mobile Arena. But when they were supposed to be Maple Leaf home games, they would not have, you know, the Golden Knights stuff on the video board, and they wouldn't allow fans in because they they wouldn't want their home games to be just a pro Golden Knights fan uh, 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 crowd. Can you imagine the Golden Knights in the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs with games in T-Mobile Arena and no fans being allowed to go? Can you imagine this fan base? Oh, they, they'd lose their minds. They'd be like rioting outside. They, you know, right. They, we couldn't get through the rioted crowds to get in the media room just trying to get through the crowds outside if they weren't allowed in. I, I'm i not sure, Tyler. I, I think if it's tr- someone like Toronto, you and I both said Buffalo. I, I think they they go into another market, man. I, I, I just can't believe, and Darren knows a lot about it, but I cannot believe they're going to play all of them in one arena and then take fans in and out. That would be, yeah. well, it'd be weird to begin with. The- like, it would, it would make sense from a, hey, why would we travel just to play in Arizona or something or Buffalo? But at the end of the day, I can't imagine the Maple Leafs would agree to play their home games in Vegas against the Golden Knights.